0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning, and welcome again to Glory Church Online. Uh, It is so great to have you. Uh, For those of you who are watching for the first time, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors of Glory Church, and we are honored to have you. This morning, we are halfway through a study over the book of Philippians. Like Dalton and Lexi said, this is week five, which is crazy. If you've been tracking along with us, this whole series has been powerful. Uh, but maybe you've missed a week or maybe you're tuning in for the first time. Please know you can always listen to our past messages on our website or by searching Glory Podcast in the Apple Podcast search bar. We'd love to have you uh, get caught up with us. Well, this morning, I'm excited to just dive in. I want to dive in deep to this text because as you've heard already, we get to this morning for the first time in a long time, meet in groups. In fact, there are glory groups all over the Kansas City metro area meeting together, watching the service, and I want to do you justice by giving you some time to discuss after the service ends, time to dive in deep. And my hope, my prayer is that real and raw conversations happen in that home. But maybe you're listening in and you're not a part of a group at all. Maybe you're listening outside of a Sunday morning. Can I just encourage you? You have the opportunity if you're in the Kansas City area to meet in homes with us, and we'd love to get to know you. You can reach out at any time on any of our social media platforms. We'd love to get you plugged in. Or maybe you even want to host one yourself. Maybe you have neighbors, friends, families, uh, family members who you know would be benefited by watching the services with you. We'd love to challenge you, uh, encourage you to host a group of your own. It would be amazing to have Glory Church groups all over the the city, all over the world. I'd love it. It would be awesome to see. But this morning, as we open up, get ready to to chapter three of Philippians, I want to go ahead and give you the theme, the focus. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I can have many days in any given week that are just bad days? Do you have those hard days? Days where I wake up and I already feel overwhelmed by everything I have not accomplished that week, that I have not accomplished that year, that month. Days where I feel just the weight of my lackings. Days where it's just very aware to me how far behind I am. Days where I'm acutely aware of everything that uh, has not turned out like I thought it should have. Right? And I start labeling all of these things should have. I'm not as good as I should be. Things aren't as good as they should be. It's not where it should be. It's not how it should be. And I start getting frustrated by my lackings. Days where I wake up and I'm already plagued and paralyzed with comparison, worry, doubt, frustration, stress, where I focus on my gains, what I should gain or what I'm not gaining, the things that I should do better, the things that I should achieve at. And all of them in my mind, uh, I, I believe that they determine my value, right? All of them, I begin to think they determine my worth or my, my sense of being good, my goodness, as if they dictate my worth. If you're like me, then uh, you've probably had many days like that even this past week. But where you are right now, I want you to be honest with yourself. How many days, how many thoughts were handed over to phrases like that this past week? How many times were you paralyzed with those same kinds of comparison, those same thoughts of stress or worry or anger? Because this morning uh, we are going to be declaring, we are going to be reclaiming that our suffering can meet joy, right? We see that and we say that each week, but our suffering this morning, it can meet joy as we clarify the real win. As we clarify, make clear over and over what we're really searching and achieving in our life, what the real goal is for our every breath. And I will tell you, we have a goal problem. We have a, a, a game problem in our life. We sometimes mistake what is valuable and what ends up happening is that spiral down into uh, low self-worth, spiraling down into the, this comparison game. But each one of those phrases that we struggle with, they focus on the wrong win, the wrong goal. But as Paul is going to be teaching us again and again and again, there is a real and valid win. There is a gain that we are to uh, search after, fight after, strive for, and it's a different kind of strife than we tend to think. And so our souls need to reclaim something this morning, and our, our, our teacher, Paul, is going to uh, vulnerably speak it to us. So we're going to dive in right now to chapter 3. Will you join me? You can read it at the bottom of the screen. Paul says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. There is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's actually a safeguard for you rejoice he said that in previous letters he said he's saying that now rejoice in the Lord and then he says in verse two watch out for those dogs those evildoers those mutilators of the flesh that sounds harsh but we can know from uh, history of the Philippian church that there were actually Paul's calling out some Sadducees and Pharisee-like figures that were in the church causing issues they were people well versed in the Mosaic law who were trying to blend their legalistic traditions with the uh, teachings and way of Christ. And they were trying to do this, and they ended up causing tension. They were causing burnout. They were breaking uh, truth. They were causing pain and brokenness and division throughout the, the church of Philippi, and people were hurt because of it. They were mutilators of the flesh, Paul calls them. They ended up in each instance, calling people in the church to to standards that they could not achieve. And in doing so, it just destroyed the hope that God was giving to people. They were calling Gentiles to take this ritualistic and, and lifestyle of Judaism, but Gentiles just craved to know Jesus. And so in turn, these mutilators of flesh, they would barricade joy, kill off hope and silence and deny love. Like, this was a big issue. And so he's talking to the church at Philippi and he's saying, but we are the circumcision. For it is we who are the circumcision. We are the ones who are really set apart. In other words, we who worship by God, who worship God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, the word spirit can also be translated as breath, that we worship by the spirit, the breath of God, that it's not attached to any uh, building. It's not limited to any temple. It's not attached or, or, or bound by any practice. No, we worship by spirit and truth. Our worship is by the very breath of God. It's a way of life. It is the very way we now exist. We are the circumcision. We are not set apart by anything man can do. It's not man-made righteousness. It's not a goodness that you can achieve. No, it's it's a goodness by what Christ has achieved. It is a set apart by the doings of Christ. And so, as he says, we put no confidence in the flesh. Instead, we boast in Jesus. We boast in his goodness, his work. In other words, he's saying they may mutilate flesh. They may mutilate it, abuse it. They may label everything by it, but we do not. And I need you to remember as we get into this, that Paul himself used to be one of those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. At one time, he once weighed every person, including himself, on a scale of judgment based on performance, based on quality of life, based on goodness, based on ritualistic cleanliness. He judged people based on their good deeds or their bad deeds, And on that scale of judgment, he would make the action and decree. This is a man who was once consistently beating himself up about what he was achieving or wasn't achieving. Paul himself knew what it was like to strive to be good enough, to strive to have that that name, to strive to be worthy in man's eyes. Paul himself knew what it was, what it felt like to strive to claim and become all that man says you should. He was bound by a law that said, do, 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 or you're not enough. And this was Paul. For him, disciplines were everything. For him, as a mutilator of the flesh, education was everything, gains were everything, righteous living was everything, success was everything, following was everything. And so with such wisdom, Paul dictates these words. And I, I need you to remember he was once a mutilator of the flesh. And yet he says, we put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, Paul says. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. In other words, I I purged the church of all the wrongdoers. I made sure that the church, the bride of Christ, was quote-unquote clean. And as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. I was faultless. But verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, whatever was a profit to me, whatever I held in high esteem, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I've considered them nothing. In fact, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ." And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Now, I need you to remember, this is the Paul that used to live the majority of his life, striving for a righteousness of his own that comes from the law. This is a man that constantly feared his lack of worth. This is a man that constantly feared his value, that he constantly compared his quality of life, his level of goodness with the law. And this is a man who constantly struggled to not achieve it. But he says, what I'm, my goal is I want a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And for Paul, here's the win. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Christ. In other words, I don't want to know how good I'm supposed to be. I don't want to know how, how good I need to be or what I need to do next to fix myself. I don't want to know the best answer. I don't want to have the best life. I don't want to have to fight or achieve. I don't want to have to prove myself. I don't want to have to be better I want to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this, though, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already took hold of me. Church, glory church, if you're a believer at all, we have this nasty habit of mutilating flesh, mutilating our own flesh, where we weigh ourselves on a scale of judgment based on temporary gains, based on have-nots, based on what we're not or what we think we should be, all while missing the Christ Jesus who, as Paul said, has already taken hold of us. We miss this we, we make it to be our goal is not Christ. Our goal is to be better. And we forfeit all of the grace that he's already bestowed on me. I have a nasty habit of mutilating flesh, but Paul is claiming my win is to know Christ, to gain Christ. Paul's saying, I want to know that what he speaks over me is more valuable, more secure, more eternal, more stable than any one of my achievements. And listen, Paul had a lot of achievements. But in his mind, what, what Christ spoke over him was more valuable. He claims me as new Paul would say his righteousness what he speaks over me is better than any of my actions so our win glory church your win is not to gain approval your win it's not to get better to gain more freedom to give more to gain more financial stability it's not to gain more success it's not to gain more financial margin your win is not to get smarter Or to have a better body. That's not the win. It's not to to have a higher platform or a greater following. A win in your life is not to have that spouse that you've been craving. Or to have the satisfaction that you've been wanting in your life. Or to to meet that, that, that next high pay in your job. That's not the win. The win is not to have another achievement. The win is not to gain relief in your current struggle. The win is to gain Christ, to be found wanting to know him. The glory church, I want to think like him. I want to respond to every situation like him. I want to see people like him. I want to agree with him. I want to think like him. I want to connect every one of my sufferings and pains and questions and concerns to him, to his beatings, to his thoughts, to his longings, to his desires. I want to find comfort in him. I want to think every thought through him. I want to know my value through him. I want to know my worth through Him, I want to remember every day that there's not another duty that I have to do before I am claimed as good by Him. I want to live and display the power that I have in Him. That's the goal. That's the win. And every time I do this, I practiced it this morning. Every time I do that, I'm reminded that this is more valuable than what I'm worrying about then the goal that i'm hoping to achieve that is secondary this is more valuable we have to glory church watch we have to guard we have to shepherd and we have to tend and clarify that win we have to or else our flesh will speak louder and too often my flesh has spoken louder you see when i say that we uh, we have the nasty habit of being mutilators of the flesh i'm not just talking about what we do to ourselves In fact, that when we become, as Paul is speaking, people confident in the flesh or people who are pursuing the confidence of the flesh, that the suffering and pain of others can be neglected by our pursuits or they're multiplied because our value is being spoken as something secondary. We are valuing this secondary goal. We're valuing this secondary pursuit. And as we do so, it is at the expense of, yes, ourselves and our emotional health and our our mental health. But it's also at the expense of others. Their sufferings are either neglected or multiplied by it. You see, the Philippians, they needed to know. The Philippians needed to know Paul's confession of this. As their leader, he set the tone for them that it was unheard of to consider the high-ranking status that he had as a Pharisee. It was unheard of to consider that as nothing, to take that and consider it as garbage in comparison to knowing God, that knowing God was better than doing good. Like, that was unheard of, but the Philippians, they needed to hear they needed to hear it because on paper, every one of paul 's credentials were unapproachable to the people that made him unapproachable, that his level of righteousness in that day and age was unattainable by the day the average Gentile. It was unattainable. he was good, good, you know that kind of good that only blessed people are, and what was powerful is that he is now stating that every single one of those achievements are worthless in comparison to just Jesus. Something that Paul couldn't give, something that Paul uh, didn't do anything to achieve, just Jesus. And to the church at Philippi, the confession that Paul was saying this was for nothing... That it was garbage in comparison. That that confession made Paul be on their level. That for the first time in this letter, maybe for the first time by a spiritual leader, they felt heard, seen, and known. He was telling them that they could have, they could have by faith, not by actions, not by doing something more, that they could have the same level of righteousness that he has. No spiritual or religious leader was speaking that. No spiritual leader was saying that through faith you could be righteous. They would say through good deeds, through ritualistic cleaning, through doing prayers at the right hour, righteousness would be had. Paul was speaking something different, and what it was doing was allowing their suffering to have this open door to joy. And I say all of this because as people, we will always promote with our life what we really value. We may say one thing, but our life will echo what we really value. And those bad days for you, remember those bad days? The ones that have caused you to feel um, you feel inferior and to focus on the wrong wins. Those bad days for me, the tough moments where, where I think that, that I should be better or I should have done this or life should be that way. Those actually point out in me this ill value. They point out in you an ill value that we don't even realize, but begins to be promoted to those around us. It begins to be voiced to those around us. And another way to say this is that we will always prescribe what we really value. We will always prescribe by our life, by our sometimes just our actions, not only our words, but sometimes our actions, we will prescribe what we really value And glory family, this is the convicting truth that I want to end with this morning. Because the leadership lesson that Paul is teaching us is huge. He's modeling vulnerability, labeling that what I really value, Philippians, the gain is Christ. I will will hand over any of my earthly achievements. That is not what I want you to strive for. You don't have to be good enough to be here. It's Christ. And I wonder our lives, when we focus on the wrong winds, like how many ill prescriptions have been spoken onto other people. I wrote this down, that me, myself, it not only, when I, when I focus on the wrong winds, it not only leads me to Suffer, but it also uh, began to prescribe those goals, those gains, those same level of high expectation, that same level of man-made righteousness on those around me, on my kids, on my wife, on my friends, on strangers who just see me. And they don't they don't see the value of just Jesus. They see the value of righteous living or having the perfect blank right? Having the perfect marriage, the perfect look, the perfect lifestyle. And what happens, yes, it's through our spoken words, but often it's through our unspoken way of living. Our very way of living can prescribe these things, that, that your very lifestyle has maybe even placed unspoken and harmful expectations on those around you. And this is the danger that we can fall into as leaders, that our suffering can meet joy as we clarify the real win, but often we get plagued with just the desire to see good, that we begin to prescribe good over Jesus. We begin to prescribe good things, those good actions, versus just people gaining jesus and get it this is a pitfall that we can fall into as leaders people who want to tend those around us people who want to make a difference in our world maybe you you want to make a difference in your friends you're a parent maybe i want to make a difference in my, the life of my kids but this is a, a huge issue that i myself as a pastor fall into you can see me and perceive my life as being great and righteous and good and godly, and that can quickly become untouchable for you. And what happens if I do not allow vulnerability to be at the, the forefront of my leadership, what can happen is that, that I begin to feel unattainable and unapproachable. And that makes you feel inferior. Another way that this has displayed in my life is I have a God-given gift of of I can see the potential of others. Like God has always uh, allowed me to see the gifts of others and I've called them out at right times. But the negative side of this is I can also uh, tend to to speak it too soon or place expectations on what I, I can see of people in the future and place those expectations now where I can start prescribing actions into the now that is not fitting with their level of faith right now. They don't have the disciplines to do it. And what ends up happening is that I have too often made people feel inferior because I've prescribed onto them their now, things that they can't handle. And what I want for them by my values, I'm prescribing good things instead of just Jesus. And I fall into that often. It makes people feel worse. It makes people feel inferior to me. It makes them feel judged. It can cause them to feel unseen. And maybe you've done this too in your life. Where instead of simply wanting them to know Jesus, we also want them to just live healthier, right? That's, though it's secondary, sometimes it can be the first thing. We want them to be smarter, wiser, just make the right choices. Stop doing the bad things. In our mind, we're like, if you would just do this, things would be better. And what ends up happening is we prescribe these values of good things above just saying, I want you to know Jesus. And I want everything I speak, everything I do, everything I proclaim, every way I interact with you. My goal is just for you to know Jesus, not to know a healthy way of living, not to know that that uh, that you don't have to be that way. I just want you to know Jesus. I just want you to know Jesus. Listen, church, we need to clarify the win, the real win. And that that not only so that it allows our suffering to meet joy, but also so that it allows the sufferings of others to, to experience this open door where they can meet and experience the real joy. We need to clarify for ourselves what the real win is so that we do not prescribe and promote faulty wins upon the lives of others. So here's some hard questions for you. Do people see your life? Do they see your life and read through the lines uh, that you value healthy actions or healthy choices above simply valuing Jesus? Do they see your life maybe on social media or in interactions and read between the lines that you value right living, physical gains, financial gains, perfectionistic gains that 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 Pinterest like lifestyle over gaining Jesus. Sometimes we can communicate and prescribe the wrong values. You see, there is a lot that goes in to our need to clarify the wins, because at the end of the day, your neighbors, the people that you pass by every single day, your family members who maybe do not know Jesus, your friends who are far from the Lord, the, those who follow you on social media— each and every one of them, they need to know that they don't have to have their lives fixed and perfect before they come to Jesus. That they need to know that they don't have to have their addictions cleansed before they're welcomed here at Glory Church. They need to know that they don't have to fix their marriage before they're welcomed to hang out with your marriage. They need to know that they don't have to get dressed up before they come to worship. They don't have to fix their life, change their lifestyle. They don't have to get over their sin pattern. They don't have to overcome the effects of their abuse. They do not need to change their sexual orientation. They do not have to become approved. By modern day high standards of evangelical Christianity, they do not need that to be approved by God. They simply need Jesus. And every one of our values must under, go under that value of needing Jesus, gaining Jesus. My answer, my, my desire, the win is to know him. And at the end of the day, our friends, though we want them to know Jesus, that's often just a head desire. Because we also just want their life to be better. But we have to guard. We have to watch. We have to to be careful of what we speak and what our unspoken words and actions are. Do you want them to gain Jesus? Yes. So we have to guard what we really value. And I believe that as they seek him, right? As they really seek him, as they get to know him, as they share in his comfort, his victory begins to be their victory. Now, is, is he going to ask them to pick up their cross and follow him? Yes, but that's him saying it, not us. Is he going to say maybe to, to, to the person who is, who is like the rich young ruler, give up everything and follow me? Yes. Is he going to prescribe to lose that way of living. Yes, but that's his prescription, not ours. And we have to constantly want people to just gain Jesus. That's the gain. That's the win. That's the value. So maybe this morning you need to reclaim the win. Maybe you need to tend it. Maybe you need to cultivate that definition of what it really is. Maybe some of your habits need to be changed. Maybe you need to guard the way that you react or respond to certain relationships. Maybe you need to watch how you speak of certain things or how uh, you're wording situations as you vocalize them, not only for the sake of your emotional health, but also the sake of others. We need to guard and reclaim and tend what the wind is. So this morning as you close, whether you're watching in a Glory Church group or on your own, I want you to know that you are not alone. Sometimes in this situation, as as we worry and strive on what it means to actually follow Jesus, we feel alone. And I want you to know you're not. If at any time you would like prayer, you would like people to walk with you, though you can do it in your group, there are many of you who may be watching alone. I want you to know that you can request prayer at any time. You can actually text any prayer request, any need, any worry, any question at at any time to that 816-379-3379. We want to walk with you. We want you to know that this journey is a process and we're not going to be people who, who force actions before we just ask you to know Jesus before we stand with you and he speaks into the degree of glory that you're in right now. We want to see you where you are. I'm a man who struggles and my value and my worth is not found in what I can achieve. It's found in what he has spoken That's something I am striving to believe and remember. It's not something I have have obtained. But each day, as Paul says, I want to take hold of that which Jesus has already taken hold of me. The goodness he's already claimed. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.